Welcome to the Business Focus Podcast. Before we start, can we ask one thing? 74% of you that watch this channel frequently do not subscribe. If you've enjoyed our videos, please could you do me a favor and hit the subscribe button? It helps this channel more than you know, and the bigger the channel gets, the bigger the learning gets. Welcome to the Business Focus Podcast. Jonathan Herbs is the host of the Business Focus Podcast. He is a strategic advisor, coach, and mentor to entrepreneurial business owners, CEOs, and senior executives. In this podcast, he chats with entrepreneurs, founders, and CEOs of scaling companies. It centers around their entrepreneurial journey so far and their aspirations for their companies. And today I'm talking um, to Zara Lord, who's CEO and founder of UPage. And I'm really excited about this because we, Zara and I was due to have this call to, about two weeks ago. My, my son was sick and I couldn't do it. And in the meantime, Zara's, excuse me, I'm looking down, um, has been um, announced as a finalist in the Australian Women's Small Business Championship Awards for 2022. So I'm so pleased that we actually delayed it. And congratulations. Thank you very much, Jonathan. It's a pleasure to be here. So thank you That's for having great. me. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Um, so listen, why don't we just start? You know, what is UPage and, and where did it come from? How long have you been doing it and what are you all about? Yeah, sure. Um, so UPage is a two-sided marketplace, or we also call it a workforce ecosystem, uh, specialised in healthcare. Uh, so it connects healthcare practitioners to work opportunities. Um, now, that's a really broad way of saying that, for example, we connect uh, a registered nurse to a shift in a hospital or an aged care facility. Uh, it might also be a term contract or a, a permanent role, um, but or it will also extend to do education opportunities, networking, resumes, all the things that uh, healthcare workforce need and want at any stage their career. Oh, I've been doing this for about five years now, would you believe? Um, I'm still a nurse and I still do the odd shift um, and don't want to lose my, my nursing skills. My background's in ICU nursing. So I have I worked uh, as an intensive care nurse for about six or seven years. Um, didn't move away from nursing because I don't love it. I really, really loved my job in ICU. Um, but I found that I got to be a year level, uh, a year eight registered nurse. And from there, you kind of plateau. Um, the next option to move up is into management where um, you're doing rosters or managing people or education. And um, one of the things that had drawn me to working as an ICU nurse was your impact and the way you could have an impact on someone's, uh, someone's experience of their stay in intensive care, which can often be some of the worst days of their life. And you have a, I've always felt it a real privilege to be able to provide support to someone in that moment where you can uh, make that a slightly less traumatic experience for them. Um, and But I, I think I was drawn across to the technology uh, side of, uh, to the technology world because of the scalability of your impact. You can create something and an infinite number of people can benefit it from it at any one time. Um, and the reason why workforce um, was because we, um, the, Healthcare professionals can't be replaced by robots, um, and we are the single most important part of the healthcare industry, um, I believe. And um, yeah, and I saw a big challenge with on-demand healthcare practitioners and the way they were placed in shifts really anonymously and for really high fees, uh, where sort of the, the nurse, the hospital and the patients were all kind of losing out um, in this very transactional um, arrangement to make sure that the hospital was staffed for shifts. So it's probably a long-winded version of, of what we do and why we do it, but I hope that answers all your questions. It I don't know if I missed something in there. <laughs> yeah, it does, but you know, I, sort of, if I can just sort of chuck an extra bit in there, you know, about mm. your experience. My, um, and I'm going to tell a story, a bit of a shocking story, if you don't mind. Mm. My 84-year-old father-in-law. Um, this is a lesson for all men. Okay, 
My 84-year-old father-in-law stupidly about three months ago, a bit more than that, climbed a ladder in a garden bed to pick he- crappy lemons off the next door neighbor's lemon tree. And Let me guess he's over 55? He's 84. Yes. Statistically, um, the age is 55, shouldn't be on a ladder anymore. <laughs> correct. Anyway, um, top it over. It turns out men are, are top heavy and landed on his head. Um, our experience with the practitioners was extraordinary. Um, yeah, he was intubated and put into a um, uh, induced coma in the driveway and then airlifted to Liverpool Hospital and spent about two weeks in ICU. And the experience that um, I, I get the point you're making about the experience he had, the experience that my wife and the family had at the hands of the nurses in ICU was extraordinary, mm-hmm. extraordinarily positive. But, you know, mm-hmm. it depended on the shift, which is the point you're making, which was yeah. really interesting. So we've been I through He's now in long-term care. It's brought on dementia and all sorts of things. So my lessons are, yes, I get about the practitioner, but all men get off ladders. Who not handle? Yes. Yeah, over the age of 55, uh, men should not be on ladders and under the age of 25, boys should not be allowed behind the wheel of a car, statistically. Those are the the two things that if you talk to an intensivist, um, an intensive care consultant, they will say um, statistically those things should not happen in our society. (laughs) Yeah, but I I think the point... The, the key point, apart from that lesson, I'm sorry to interrupt mm. that, I think Not at that, all. that relationship um, at a time of yeah. deep stress for both the person and the patient and, and family yeah. makes a huge difference having the right person. Absolutely. And, like, I was always um, really proud of my ability as a nurse. Um, I, you know, I worked in ICU for long enough that I believe I was fairly confident in doing it. Um, but when you're short staff, you can't physically give patients the care that they need. And it's a really demoralizing way to practice. Um, mm-hmm. And we don't do nursing for the money, let's be honest. It's a, it's a good career, yeah, but yeah. it's not, um, we generally do it because you're proud of your standard of care. And when you can't give that standard of care, it makes you start to unpack your whole career. And it's, um, mm-hmm. it's not a nice way to deliver care when every patient you turn to, you walk into the room of is criticizing you for not doing something sooner. Um, and fair enough. It's, you know, it, Healthcare can't wait. It's yeah, got to happen yeah, in a timely manner. Mm. So tell me, let's let's get back to. Sorry, I've just, I've read this off. Um, yeah. How do you describe your core customer, your best customer? So our customers. So remember, we we're, we're a two-sided marketplace. Our users are the talent, um, yeah. and they're the ones we we nurture and we want to care about. Um, but our customer is um, healthcare organisations, and that's hospitals, aged care facilities, both public and private. Um, they might be larger organisations that provide healthcare services. Um, some telehealth providers that need nurses, but basically anyone who books healthcare professionals. Okay. And um, when you talk about the talent, let's, um, you know, because we're going to have all sorts of people listening to this, um, what um, specialities um, talent do you talk to? Yeah, so we started off in nursing because uh, that's the area closest to my heart, but we've now um, redone our data structures so that we can profile any healthcare profession. And um, the hardest customer for us to acquire, uh, the hardest side of the marketplace for us to source is the healthcare organisations. They're n- notoriously slow to change uh, because mm-hmm. the healthcare system is so complicated. Um, so once we've got the healthcare customers on, it makes sense. And we get this all the time from our customers when we're saying, yes, we can get you nurses. And they're saying, can you also get us physios? Have you got doctors on your platform? So for us to diversify across all of the other um, professions in healthcare um, is a really uh, sensible 
um, transition for us. But uh, we started with nurses. Um, we are moving into source uh, doctors, physios, allied health, um, sterilization uh, specialists. There's uh, any healthcare workforce. Uh, but certainly what we have been doing is the nurses uh, so far. Okay. And, you know, I, was, I was interested to see the other day uh, a post you, you put up was um, your you know, um, healthcare professionals, which hospitals actually like to work in. It really was a very interesting Ooh. list. Mm, um, yeah. It's, it's a lot about, I suppose, the administrators there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we have some hospitals that, um, yeah, they, they're just such a delightful place to work uh, that the nurses just, you know, pick up every shift available to go back there. Um, yeah. And and it's really nice to see hospitals start to um, to really see these on-demand nurses as a part of their workforce. It, traditionally, um, agency or on-demand nurses have been seen as as like a necessary evil when they're really short-staffed that they fall back on. Um, but NewPage uh, exists to, to kind of turn the tables on that. And uh, we don't propose to own the talent the way um, recruitment agencies will do in the sense that there's big buyout fees if they want to transition someone across to permanent. Um, so it means that because uh, the nurses can take uh, a casual shift, a term contract, or even transition across to permanent with any of our roles, it means that the hospitals are really receiving our nurses like they might be their next permanent hire. And when you're walking into a, um, into a hospital that you've never been in before and you're in an unfamiliar setting and you don't know any other nurses, um, to know that they're going to uh, support you back and, and make sure that you have a positive experience at their hospital uh, is completely um, game-changing. And I can talk about mm -hmm. that from my own experience that it was only ever I, – I did on-demand agency work for my whole career um, to top up my income and it was only ever once, once that I got met with – you're Zara, you must be the agency nurse. Thank you so much for coming. Every other time it was a, we have an agency nurse and you get met with an eye roll or assume that you know nothing. And I know why those uh, relationships exist, but I just thought it was a, um, yeah, a missed opportunity or, or there is an opportunity to do it better. Yeah, it, no, it's an interesting thing. One of the things I coach is how do you make it easy for your customers to do business with you, staff to do business with you, and its suppliers to do business with you. Mm -hmm. That's extraordinary how when you focus on, which is what seems what, though, what you've done, when you focus mm -hmm. on, on that, um, how everything else follows. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. interesting. But listen, yeah. you would have been affected particularly um, harshly by the, by the uh, pandemic, I would have thought. Mm -hmm. What actions have you taken, uh, did you take during the pandemic that it will remain in your business? Oh, I think there's um, the remote work was a, a big part of it. We were in the office five days a week uh, before that. Um, and now we are firmly fixed on two days a week in the office and we work remotely very well. Uh, we were already using Slack before the pandemic. And this might seem a little, I'm not sure if this is on the scale of what you were, um, what you were wanting out of this question. But one thing we, we do is we have a Slack channel that has a, a permanent video link. Um, and we call it meeting room. And so we've got at any point you can step into the meeting room and you don't need to like invite someone to a video conference or anything. There's just a link there ready to go. Um, so it's, it is almost like opening the door to a meeting room. You just say, oh, I'll meet you there um, oh. and jump in this video call. So I've always found that one a, a really fun little hack that we never had beforehand. Um, oh, but then I love it. Yeah. Um, no, I'm using, I haven't heard about it. That'd be fabulous for my team. My yeah. Team yeah. We, we just have a Slack channel, it's meeting room and a link in there, a, a static link um, in the Slack channel. And you just go meet you in hashtag meeting room and you click across and jump on in. Uh, we'll probably get to a point soon where we need several meeting rooms because you'll often go there and there's already people in it. 
Um, that's great. And we do that. Yeah. So, and that's helpful. A lot of the, um, we pivoted a lot through, through COVID. And um, so when, at, right at the start of COVID, uh, hospitals went really quiet in the sense that they had to, they had to stop all theatres um, and reduce admissions through ED. So they actually didn't have the workforce needs. Um, especially it was only really a couple of the major hospitals that got uh, built up with um, COVID patients. So um, we didn't have a whole lot of requests from hospitals in, our, in the first year of COVID. And so we were really lucky to have some fantastic contracts um, with, say, um, with really large insurance companies to support them with telehealth nurses and lots of COVID-related roles. So um, some of those are still ongoing now, which is great, um, but it's just been a, a couple of years of pivoting and sort of seizing different opportunities so that we can keep nurses um, engaged in work uh, when like vast numbers of casual work nurses were being let go of. Right. Um, so, Tommy, what does the future look like now and what do you see as your main challenges going forward? Yeah. Um, the f- Future for us is is really tackling um, connecting healthcare professionals to any jo- any opportunity. Um, it's going beyond the contingent work, but how do we develop new talent pipelines and develop the capability of the talent we have? So, um, folding in things like education marketplace, allowing them to set career goals, build a build a resume, uh, make compliance storage easier, and onboarding. Um, you think that nurses were on a couple hundred thousand dollar salaries, and you see the amount of compliance that we're required to. Um, conform with to remain current as a healthcare practitioner. So if we can make that easier for them to store it uh, and we can reduce recruitment cycles down from three, three and a half months for a hospital to recruit a nurse when they usually get two to four weeks notice when some when one resigns, um, we've got nurses onboarding in, in, in as little as uh, 24 hours. So uh, and then onboarded with the hospital in as little as 15 minutes. So if we can um, make um, the mobility of workforce a lot more seamless, affordable, um, and transparent. Then I think we've got um, a really, uh, a really big future ahead of us. But there's a lot of work involved in pulling off every part of our ecosystem. And technology. And technology, yes, yeah. <laughs> a lot of technology required. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you know, it's, you've really been a business owner for the last five years, three years full time. Um, what do you reckon has been your big, biggest learning? Um, I've had so much support along the way, but I think the the biggest feedback I get is that we're like, uh, is sort of how I uh, how I learned my business acumen, and I'd say that's from the support network around me. So I don't think you. My big thing is I don't know everything um, and I don't purport to know anything, but there are so many experts around me. So then my job is sort of like the the puppeteer pulling all the strings together and making sure I'm getting the best advice or getting second opinions or networking. Um, But people have been incredibly generous and I don't think I've had anyone sort of roll their eyes to me and say, yeah, good luck to you, run a startup. People have been like, great, how can I help? Um, And have really provided they see you making an effort and and doing the work um, and you're not just chancing it. Um, if they can see that you're putting in putting in the effort and doing the things required to get to the next stage, people are so supportive and have been incredibly helpful along the way, very generous. So, um, yeah, I think my my big thing has been um, you don't have to be an expert at everything provided you've got um, the right people around you. Um, and then the other the major bit of advice I've had along the way is um, know your why, really understand why you're doing this because when it gets tough, and it will, it's your why that keeps you going, um, yep. and that's for me been pretty fundamental to my journey. Have you discovered Simon Sinek? Yes, yeah. Follow him on Instagram. He's fantastic. 
Um, Simon Sinek, for, for listeners, um, uh, wrote a book on Know Your Why um, and essentially your purpose. So, for instance, my purpose is grow remarkable, grow remarkable leaders and, 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 and companies. Um, and hence, you know, this podcast is actually about um, spreading the net of grow remarkable far wider by speaking to um, successful um, uh, business leaders. Um, just for anybody listening, um, Simon Sinek, um, he has a TED- TEDx talk, 20 minutes. It is one of the most watched TEDx talks um, ever on your, uh, the three circles of Know Your Why. So, if you haven't seen it, go and have a look. Um, you mentioned um, you've been supported. So, where are you finding all of these mentors, support, etc.? Oh, a whole series of different networks. Um, I've probably done five accelerator programs over the over the years. Um, those, while I think you learn a bit in those accelerator programs, at the end of the day, um, you're the only one that's going to know how to run your business. And so, all of these sort of templates for how to run your business, while it's good and can be applied to your business, and there you've just got to get in and do the things to get to the next stage. Um, but the out of those accelerators, the network of people that you meet um, has been phenomenal. Um, you know, some of our investors, we got, we did a seed round last year and got the most beautiful, beautifully suited suite of investors that complement our journey in every which way. Um, I couldn't have listed uh, if I fabricated a list of the type of skills I wanted to bring into our um, cap table. I couldn't have painted it better myself. Like They're just unreal. Um, and I think just five years doing something. The, start- the startup community in Sydney is is really small but very supportive. Um, it's quite big actually, but everyone, uh, there's only a couple of degrees of separation and there's uh, lots of support out there. Um, so, I'd say it's a whole range. I couldn't put my finger on one particular channel of where I found that support. But um, it, I think then it, my job is to like work out where I get the best support from because it can be also a very noisy industry yeah. and lots of um, lots of faff and you have to work out how to um, cut the um, how to cut it to get straight to the best support needed. Yeah. There's some great advice in there. Thank thanks Sarah. Yeah, um, that's great. So tell me when you think about the word successful, who pops to mind and why? Oh, I have a, um, a friend of mine that uh, right at the start allowed me to work out of his office space and they had 30 employees at the time. Um, I think their company is now valued at over $100 million and they're um, talking about a, a much bigger, um, a, um, they're really shooting for, for the stars globally and what they're doing. And he has been, um, his journey, I hope he writes a book one day because um, it's any time I thought I was having a tough time, he has had every challenge possible and he um, you know, comes into work every day with a smile on his face and he loves his team and he's so proud of what they're doing. But he's an incredibly um, strong mentor for his – he's been incredibly um, pivotal to my journey. Um, his name is Matty Keeley and he's from a company called Grow Inc., um, and their startup journey is, um, has been phenomenal to watch and observe over the years. Um, but he is a really phenomenal leader and a real inspiration to me in the way that he's navigated um, all of the, um, the curveballs of running a very large startup. And um, they've done extremely well. So he's, yeah, he's very, very successful in my eyes. Make sure you get him to watch this. I will. I will. will appreciate I'll it, I guarantee you. Um, <laughs> so are you a reader? Uh, any blogs, books, um, leadership biographies you, you could recommend? 
Yeah, I'm not a massive reader, to be honest. Um, I do read and I'm reading a book at the moment uh, called Will It Make the Boat Go Faster, um, which I'm loving. It's about their um, English, the British, the British, uh, yeah. British, British first aid. Um, love that. It's very um, very factual and condensed and analysed, which is super cool. Um, Let's just settle down into that book for, my, for those who have never heard of it. So will it make, when the British rowing, right, rowing or bicycle cycling? Rowing. Rowing sound was doing really badly you know, a decade or two ago. Um, the coach essentially put a mantra in place, as I understand it, which was, uh, will, will it make the boat go faster? If the answer is yes, if the answer is no, we're going to chuck it out. So it's all about focusing on your absolute laser focus on what you're, you're, what you're looking to achieve. Yeah, absolutely. And I haven't got to the end of the book, but I presume they won gold. Um, but they, um, they, no, I'm, I'm pretty, I was pretty sure that that was how it happened. But they were actually, um, the normally they would go and put their best eight rowers in the eight. Uh, and then the, uh, the single and the double would be, um, made up of people lower. Whereas in this instance, they had the, the worser of the, um, the lesser of the, um, their rowers, their national rowers in the eight, but they implemented this strategy of um, will it make the work go faster and they ended up winning gold. So it's a pretty, pretty incredible feat of, of mindset and just incremental changes. Um, it's pretty cool. And that's, yeah, um, that's the sort of plaque you want to put on the desk of every one of your managers. Yeah. Um, you know, um, one of my clients has done a, a similar but a little bit different. Uh, will it make? Will this make it easier for the team to, to uh, for the company to do business? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Will it make our Will it make our customers happy? We do quarterly OKRs, and the question yeah. we ask is, what is going to bring our customers and users the most value in the next quarter? Yeah. Um, so then we have all these initiatives that we um, democratize amongst the team, so that as well as our regular duties, we're all working on this bigger picture. Um, initiatives to achieve our goals of making our customers, uh, bringing our customers mm. more value in the next quarter. Yeah. Yeah, mm. fabulous. Typical. Last question. Any last piece of advice or parting words for CEOs or aspiring CEOs? Mm. I um well, I probably have a bit of imposter syndrome here because I feel like I'm I'm too new to the um, new to the CEO world to offer much advice to other people. But um, for me, the biggest thing has been the people around me um, and just building that support network. Because uh, I think that you don't need to be an expert at everything, and I think the best CEOs um, aren't the expert at everything. But you're really good at bringing the people together to achieve that that vision and just making sure that um, the vision is fairly family firmly set and communicated um, so that those people can excel. Uh, but probably the one bit of advice that I really love is that the, the sooner you realise that you work for your um, employees, the better boss you'll be. Um, mm. And it was, um, yeah, family held on to that right the way along because as much as, yes, we're all trying to achieve this, um, achieve these goals for you, Paige, you, Paige, is also the moat to help all of your employees achieve their personal and professional goals as well. Um, and we, are, we, we fold that into our every, every week where we have um, personal and professional goals that we all set um, on a weekly basis and reflect on. So, yeah, it's um, then how do we help them achieve their career goals through this platform of you, Paige? You know, I, I've loved talking to you because you've, you've given me so many things I want to talk, talk to people about, like okay. imposter syndrome. Go and um, find Michael Can Mike Cannon-Brooks's um, okay. TEDx talk on imposter syndrome. So Mike Cannon-Brooks is uh, co-founder of um, Atlassian, you know, um, $19 billion man. Um, uh, yeah, there's so much in that, 
that the imposter syndrome in that TEDx talk that is it, you will just okay. relate to it totally. And okay. um, because most CEOs and founders suffer from um, imposter syndrome. And then the second piece was um, I call it um, um, your, unique, your unique ability. Um, focus on your unique ability. You know, my unique yeah. ability is talking to CEOs, um, mm. coaching them to, to grow and scale their business, um, developing, you know, content to help them do that. Um, that's my unique ability. My unique ability is not being an accountant or bookkeeper, is not being a lawyer, even though yeah. I have a law degree, is not being, um, you know, the process around this podcast we're doing. I do mm. one bit and one bit only, which is what I'm doing now. Now, my unique ability is not go to everything else. So surround yourself with people with unique abilities to complement your yours. Um, yeah. So I want to talk that's, to you. That's, about that's a really, yeah, that's a really good point because especially when you're a very, very early stage startup where you don't have a team, you need to be the jack of all trades and you need to figure out how to do a financial model and how to sell in customers and get some validation before you can justify raising capital or, or um, building a product. And so you kind of start start off on the journey trying to be the jack of all trades and then you get to a point where you have to be very decisive on where is best to spend your time and um, what you should be passing on to an actual expert to do that. Mm. Yeah, um, and this concept of, of who, not how. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, starting with with the, with the um, with the who before you even work out the how or the what mm-hmm. um, is critical to, to success. And the who's don't have to be full time staff; they can be mm-hmm. people you bring in for little projects, like Vitali, who is who um, edits these videos. Um, Vitali, I'm doing my bit for the Ukraine. He's based in the Ukraine, and you know we are regularly having outs because the Russians have bombed a, a, a power station or and aerated who've gone off, but he does regardless, does just fabulous work. So who not how? Yeah. Brilliant. So though, you've, you've given me so much of time. We could go for hours, but I'll promise you a short and yeah. um, this yeah. period. Thank you so much. No, thank you. It's um, been wonderful. If you were hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode. And for that, we want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We hope you enjoyed this new episode. And if you did, please leave us a review on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, or wherever you watch slash listen. Please share this episode with others who may be interested in this topic. If you want to be a guest on the podcast, please send an email to admin at scaleupgrowth.co. Put be a guest in the subject line and tell me a little about yourself. If you want to gauge where your business growth potential is and identify where the biggest opportunities in your business lie or where the key needs that you need to concentrate on right now are, take our assessment where you will receive personalized advice for improvement. It's quick and free. Go to scaleupgrowth.scoreapp.com. If you would like to work with me one-to-one, I love coaching and get the best outcomes that way. Send me an email to jonathan at scaleupgrowth.co and put one-to-one in the heading. Tell me a bit about your business and let's see how we can apply a great strategy for your business. So that's it for this week. Tune in next time for more great learnings from a scaling entrepreneur.